This is Brett Rentschler, and you're listening to Pod 49. Go Links! Wow, it's finally happening. Welcome uh, to the live taping of the Pod 49 podcast, a fan conversation show about the now defunct AMC classic legendary Lodge 49. Uh, I'm here with my co-hosts. Bart DeGorsi. Hey, I'm Jim. All right. And uh, we'll get, get right into it. Uh, although, the first thing I want to do is we got a special uh, message that was sent to us that I'll play for us first. Come on in. Hello, this is uh, Tom from Lodge Fortune. I was a music supervisor. Have a wonderful time in Long Beach. And here are a couple of other amazing people. Hi guys, it's Sonia Cassidy, who plays Liz Dudley. I'm so gutted not to be joining you guys today, but have a blast. You're an amazing company. You are all amazing. Thank you so much for supporting the show as you are, and please, please keep enjoying it. Sending you my love from London Town. Oh, hello, it's Susie Kane, uh, Genevieve. Genevieve! <laughs> uh, have a fantastic time out there, and again, thank you so much. Everything that Sonia said, that. And then here's some guy. No, it's me again. Hello. And we love you. And hooray from Lodge 1 to Lodge 49 in Long Beach. Uh, have, a, have a fabulous day. Bye. Bye. All right. We thought that would be a fun way to kick things off. And, of course, no one wants to hear from us, so we're going to jump into it quickly. But just for 30 seconds, it's been, you know, I, I fell in love with the show during season one. And I begged these two guys to, I said, you're going you're gonna to get into it immediately. They got into it immediately. And then we thought, you know what, we should do, maybe we should do a podcast. So I, I said, someone's got to have been doing a Lodge 49 podcast already. Google search, Google search, Google search. No Lodge 49 podcast. So uh, we jumped into it thinking that uh, probably not even our uh, significant others and mothers would bear to listen. Um, and suddenly it took off into a modest life of its own. So it's super exciting for us to be here. They still don't listen. They still don't listen. Um, only Vic. Um, and so we're going to... Sh- <laughs> no, it's a loving, it's, it's a loving community, Vic. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. So... We're going to do this in two panels. We're just going to flip at kind of the 40-minute mark and invite our other half because so many people wanted to come and join us. So why don't we start with Britt? Why don't you just introduce yourself quickly and talk about who you were and just give the people some kind of introduction. Great. Um, I'm Britt Rentschler, by the way, whoever got that right on the podcast. someone started That was it not me. Yes, nice job. I've been wondering. Yeah, Rentschler. Um, I play Beth on the show, and I'm delighted to be here. Uh, hi, I'm. Uh, my name's Alex Klein. Uh, I play Leo. You guys, I don't know if everybody knows who Leo is, but uh, uh, I play Mystery. him, and uh, I'm very delighted to be here. I'm David Yuri, and I play Champ. Yeah. Uh, I am Vix High, and there's nothing like not getting your own mic. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you know. There's one. There's an extra one. Right He's there. in charge of the mics. Yeah. Yeah. It was me. I purposely. It's been wonderful yeah. so far. Uh, I played uh, Tarquin. Uh, Everyone loves Tarquin. You're the only one who uses past tense. Oh, really? You, you're, you're still chess. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Never know. I'm going to play Tarquin. Yes. All right. 
Britt, I'm going to yeah. ask you the first question. All right, all right. So when you filmed the very first episode of the show mm-hmm. that you were on, did you think you were going to come back or that your character was going to have a bigger role later? I had no idea. No idea. So what was that like? Nor did I have any idea what the show was about. <laughs> because it wasn't on the air. I The set of sides came in and... <laughs> I mean, my biggest clue was that she said, he says, oh, you know, we didn't do anything at homecoming. And she's like, oh, no, I blew him. And I was right. like, okay, I don't know what kind of show this is, but I think I can make that really funny and just have her, I just, I went for it. And mm-hmm. luckily they really liked it, but I had no idea that Beth would be back. So then when they did ask you and, you know, have you read the script for, um, yeah, so they two, did, they they checked casting checked my avail, um, and I didn't know. I knew I was coming back, but I didn't know what for. And then when the script came in, I was just totally blown away. I mean, I knew that there was something really fun that we had created that day on set, just mm-hmm. between our chemistry, because yeah. there's this magical thing that happens when you step outside of your own little box where you do your audition, and then you get to set. And everybody's there with a different creative energy, you know, the production side of things. And they've created this environment for you and they know how they want to see the world with the shots. So there's all this information coming in. And then there's the chemistry with your castmates whom you've never met. And all of a sudden you're there. And it was just so easy to be drawn to Wyatt's energy and to kind of ignore my fiance, David (laughs) Shea, who I love, by the way, he's a wonderful guy. Um, But it was just so easy to be like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? you know and so it was nice to tap into that and what I this is not your question but I will say what I felt like was Beth and Dud's chemistry is their their energy they had this she really did have this fool's energy Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting and it ultimately didn't work out for them but I think if she was able to embrace that fool energy and be at the start of a different journey like Dud was I think they would have had a lot more in common but I was really excited to get to come back and have that that turn come about. So, yeah. Yeah, if she hadn't gotten nail gunned, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. But I, what was really fun was the, that first day that we were shooting um, on the pilot, <laughs> uh, Randall, who's directing, and Jim kind of came up to me and they're like, hey, listen, would you be comfortable just doing a run of that one line, like, 10 or 12 different ways. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm just standing there with like the little chihuahua. His mm-hmm. name was What the Puff, by the way. It was an adorable dog. <laughs> and just over and over, it was like, no, I blew him. No, I blew him. No, I blew him. No, I blew him. Just over and over. And Jim and Randall are in the corner just like trying not to die. And afterward, you know, Jim's, Jim is so wonderful. He has such a great energy on set. And he's, he really observes with this this magical energy and he doesn't insert himself a lot or or he's not extremely verbal um but he just kind of came over and went thank you so much <laughs> like i i know we just put you through that but i just never believed that that could happen on set you know did you guys ask what the puff to be on the panel uh, yeah, busy. Other commitments. He, you know what? He was too busy for season two. Because I did ask about him, and Nina Jack, who is one of the most incredible people on the planet, she checked in with Puff's family to find out. Because I wanted to know. I was like, where's Puff? He was very busy. He had other engagements. So. It's a drug addiction. They were like, focus on the scene, please. Yeah. Uh, so, Alex, I wanted to ask you. Your character pops up in all these different places. He's kind of mysterious. Uh-huh. 
we don't always know his motivations or where he's come from. Like, did you know more about the character than we did? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Jim, Jim is the most cryptic about everything, from, from telling us what, uh, where our history is or what, where, where we're coming from to, like, after... I, I remember doing the first season, and uh, there's that last scene where it's me, Ernie, and Laser Pointer in the car with the gift basket... And I'm looking at, I'm looking at Ernie and or uh, Brent, and and I have this like this face like this. He's like, you know what? You remind me of a Velociraptor. It's like, oh, cool. And I was like, okay, maybe that's what I'll bring into the next. Yeah, I like that idea. Like he's this kind of sharkish character. And then the second season, we're doing the the costume fitting, and I'm wearing like a 14 year old's clothes. I have like a backpack on, and I'm like, what the? Where? What am I? Where's my power suit? And so, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I the, we sh, we should do this thing called block shooting, which is uh, you should uh, two episodes at the same time based on uh, location or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So we were shooting episode two and one at the same time, and the first thing we shot, I think, was when Doctor Kimbra is being taken or put in the car, mm-hmm. and uh, I had no idea what. I was doing at all. I just knew that I had a cup of coffee and I'd look at Liz and go like, that's weird, right? And, and then I came to Jim after. I was like, so thank you so much. I know exactly the trajectory of this character. You need to say no more. I know exactly what's going on. He's like, I'm sorry. I have, I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going with it. But uh, thanks for being along for the ride. So I was like, cool, yeah. And so I, I still don't know. I, I, I think eventually I just decided, I don't know. I know it's Ludibrium. And I know that he's not really a grad student. Like, I don't okay. feel like those guys right. were real grad students. That was the cover. He yeah. himself doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Nobody knows anything about anything. Why is he in Mexico? Yeah, shut up, dude. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's on our list. Why are we in Mexico? <laughs> no. I, uh, my yeah. thoughts were that I was checking up on Ernie and Dud. Even though I see okay. them and I go, I've got to get out of here. I think I didn't. Think in what capacity, though? Uh, Related to the scrolls? Well, there's a character named Parker. I don't know if you guys remember the character. There's a name Parker thrown around in the first season and in the second season. I have this feeling that he was almost like a captain-like character. Almost like that liaison. So we're working through Parker. Um, Because I mentioned Parker again. That's all you got. Yeah, Parker. So, um, and then the second part of that, I was like, I don't know what to play. Just play that you're attracted to Liz. Not hard to do, people. Which played right into Bart's prediction prediction that they would be that they would be love interests. Sorry, I keep forgetting to talk into the mic. Yeah, after the parking lot scene, one of Bart's predictions on the podcast was like, "Oh, that's definitely Liz's love interest." And Jim and I were like, "That's ridiculous. Be quiet." Yeah, and uh, (laughs) that's how we treat each other. But um. But then you show up and you guys are having you have the sparks flew for yeah. the eight seconds in the Mexican bar. And then so I, Bart did a victory lap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that would have turned. As far as I know, that might have turned into something. But obviously, I think the guy's probably a foil. Like he doesn't seem the most upfront. I, there, in the script, there was a line where I say, "She's like, what are you doing here?" And I say something about being a grad student. And in the script, in the it says he changes the subject quickly. So I was like, oh, obviously he's full of shit. So. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that would have been a cool thing to happen. You know, <laughs> Liz also had, I think, proven many. No, sorry. Uh, Liz also had uh, 
pretty bad taste in men. Yeah. I mean, to throw you under the bus, but uh, character, I thought that was a, a, a link uh, between her uh, past romances and yours as well. Yeah. 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 All right, so I'm going to ask one more question and then pass it over to Bart. And anyone who listens to our podcast knows that Bart is, we all love Champ, but Bart is the biggest champion of Champ. So I'm going to let you ask David a question. I'm going to skip over to Vic. So I wrote down a question for you, but it's like an entire page on this notebook. Yeah. So I'm going to try to make let's it short. It. No, let's hear it. So, let's hear it, sir. Okay. So let's, all right. Uh-huh. It would be easy for Tarquin to be a villain because he's definitely different in his hurtful kind of. so far. Hurtful. Right? No, but he's not. No, but, but that's the thing. Like, but he doesn't come off that way. He comes off, if not sympathetic, like at least, I don't know, very entertaining and amusing. And you can kind of, once as the story goes on, you can relate more to the position that he's in. I just, I just was wondering, like, you know, were there any challenges in playing this character that's definitely different from a, a lot of the other characters on the show who are a little more, like, sincere and, you know, heart of gold? Terribly put. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I agree, I agree. <laughs> you know... Uh, there is, there is some research that I did do uh, that I got a chance to kind of dive into. Um, this poor sales rep that I glommed onto and spent time with who spoke of um, the, this kind of conference culture where these people go to these hotels and they drink their faces off. Yeah, yes, this is like that. <laughs> well put, sir. Um, and, uh, and they're away from their families. And, and this guy was a rep for blueberries, of all things. We're, we're living in a time where blueberries need branding. Um, and dental appliances. And he, and he spoke about this thing and, and how these people in this world of recruitment and sales, they kind of reach for each other in a way that I interpreted as a kind of yearning, like a spiritual yearning. And it was that nugget that I decided to start to wrap everything else about Tarquin, his public persona around that kind of muscularity. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, the, his own yearning and the yearning that he would exploit in others. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, also, you know, the writing is there, right? I mean, it's not just this corporate dogma doublespeak. It's also like the first speech I have, there's a line that's, I hope it was like an ax breaking the frozen sea inside you, which is a, a Kafka quote uh, Franz Kafka. Thank you. <laughs> so I was like, he's also kind of an artist and a poet, and he's he's kind of threading that extra weave in there. Uh, and so that is kind of where I began to kind of create the vibration and the, uh, the tenor of who I thought Tarquin was. But to answer your question about whether it was difficult to play opposite all these sort of gentle folk, God, no. 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 All right. So I'm going to hand it over to, to Bart here to, to do the uh, David question. But I just want to say, David is our second appearance on the podcast. Thank you, David. Yeah, David. When, when, we, when we started this, we were like, we will know this matters if we can book David at some point. Like before, it's just like three losers recording into, you know, record in a microphone and basically still is. But... When we got to that moment, we were like, oh, this, is, this may actually be a thing. So I just want to say a sincere thank you for joining the pod early on. Thank you, guys. Thanks for making it. 
And if you haven't heard it, we get deep into his history as a Can Japanese yeah, used clothing salesman. Yeah, sorry, I'm gonna, I have a lot to say. I, I don't know what the question is, but I'm going to need... <laughs> what is happening in the, in the Middle East? Is like, all right, so, Bart. Okay, uh, I want to see. Was that just a gag, then? Someone please give him a microphone of his own. Uh, David, my question is... Someone please give him a microphone of his own. Is that what you just said? Yes. Well, you got to borrow mine for your end. Yeah, my neck is hurting from this. Uh, so when in your life did you get a job as a dishwasher that allowed you to know so much about that character? And at that time, did you know that you were going to be able to utilize this later in, as a character? Um, well... I never worked as a dishwasher. I actually met this guy who was in the blueberry trade. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. We did the same research and came up with those two characters? That's why the show is so special. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer for no, that. No, I'm just, I'm just but, sort of messing yeah. with you, but I was just giving you that opportunity. I have washed dishes at home, not much. Well, you sound like most of the applicants <laughs> for dishwashing jobs at the restaurant. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to like no, uh, throw you there, but no, no. Um, no I, I, as I said in the podcast, you were one of my, you were my favorite from season one of the uh, characters, um, just because your lines are so great and. Um, and, you know, like, I'm usually looking for dishwashers. I own a restaurant in Brooklyn. Would you hire me? I, I, I said I would, uh, even if you can't do the job, just to be there for me, because right. I need someone like that who has these kinds of words of wisdom. good to know that there's a backup plan. There is me. definitely a backup plan. Uh, I have a quick question for Britt oh, Brit and David. Yeah. You all had a moment in the kitchen. Like, as, as sparks were flying... Yeah. Why didn't why didn't we pursue that romance? I mean, that was mostly pursued off screen. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. He knew. It's fine. It's cool. It's California. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I so Champ was one of my fa- Champ and Blaze were my two favorites going into the second season because I was only in the first episode of season one. I didn't know I was coming back, so I just kept watching the show and fell in love with it and became a complete fan, which was really actually uncomfortable when I came back for season two because I was freaking out. But my first day, they set up my cast chair in like Ernie's apartment and or Ernie's house, and I'm looking at the cat tree. And anyway, and then we worked together, and David was so sweet because I was a bit nervous. I was my, super sweet. He was actually. We were we were shooting together that day, and it was my first day being back and meeting everyone. And and David and I were just chatting, and he's such a lovely actor to work with. And then we got on set, and he was champ, and is also an incredible person to watch. And I really feel like there's a reason that. Beth was drawn to Dud. She ended up having her wedding at the lodge. She was drawn back to it. And I think, like I said, I don't believe that she was able to totally break down the life that she had become accustomed to, but she was very unsatisfied with it. And so there was something about philosophy that she couldn't quite touch. 
And I genuinely felt like she w- she wanted to hear what Champ had to say because she was struggling. She was watching her mom, who had kids, who got married. She was watching all of her girlfriends get married. She feels like she's supposed to do this thing and work in a call center and punch the clock and do all of it. And then this guy waltzes in and has these amazing things to say about brains and a vat of goo. And she's fascinated by it. I mean, she even pulls away from Liz... Oh, yeah, you give Liz the total cold shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was actually hard, but it was important to do. Because I, of course, Sonia Cassidy, are you kidding me? I wanted to see everything she was doing, and I was so connected to her. And then the director was like, you got to just walk away. You can't keep watching her. Like, you have to let her have her moment. And it actually didn't make the cut, but there was this beautiful moment where when I mentioned her mom, they cued a flame in the kitchen to go up right behind her head. And the shot didn't end up working to make the cut, but I thought that was really beautiful. So they really wanted that to be her moment. But I do feel like Beth would have followed Champ anywhere, for the record. Yeah. <laughs> that was a super uh, fun scene because I got to watch you guys do that so many times. And I love the line where you say, and Dud's tall, way taller than Tim. <laughs> Poor short Tim. Short guys, they get no love. David, now quick question here, and you can be honest: oh. Are you going to be recognized more today as Champ or uh, ATM Smashed Head Guy? Uh, in this room, I think Champ. Would but, be the clear but what about at the con at large? I would say neither. Not. Uh. <laughs> Do you mean Spooge? Wasn't that his name? Spooge. Yes. Spooge. Yes. I pronounce it Spooggy. <laughs> His French background. Yeah, audience question. Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on. They get a mic. They get a mic. Yeah, they get. You know this podcast where you like they go to audience questions and you can't hear them. We don't get that. Yeah, Michelle Kleinhaus. David, where did all the punk rock lore come from? Jim Gavin. Oh, awesome, awesome. Yep. Should I stay out here and see anybody else want to ask? We got any more audience questions? We got more, but if you've got them, don't be shy. Eric, question? Uh, Hold on. (laughs) For posterity. Hi, Eric Kramer. I have a question for Vic. When are you going to pay me back the goddamn money you owe me? I don't know who you're talking to. I don't have a mic. Dodgy as always. I have a question. I'm going to ask Vic another question. Oh, God. I, I'm sure it won't be good it, enough for you. Yeah. You know? Let's set um, it up properly. No, that's all right. Nobody yeah, Nobody there we cares. go. Yes. So, the Janet Tarquin dynamic mm-hmm. was just one of my favorite things, which is so funny and weird. And, you know. You, you should have stopped it funny. <laughs> Weird in a good way. Yes. And just like, what was it like, you know, acting with Olivia and, and like, you know, creating that dynamic together? Um, yeah, that guy's right. <laughs> um, you know, every once in a long, long, long while, you enter a situation with another actor where the... Yeah. <laughs> That's Olivia. <laughs> Where she the, couldn't be on this panel. No, today but she's because she's, she's on, on that panel. Over there. Yeah. <laughs> Where a you're such a big fan because you've already you know spent a year watching her on Fargo and you know who her dad is, 
And that the the thing with me and Olivia is that it's so bizarrely explosive, our Janet Tarquin thing. So much so that off camera it's almost awkward between us. We almost can't small talk and hang out. <laughs> Like it's, it's there's just so much lava Lamo. there between there. Yes, yeah, drama. Um, it was you know I mean look first of all working with Olivia was incredible. Working with Sonia was incredible. It's one of those rare shows. I'm gonna get sincere here, guys. Where you kind of look around anytime you look at anybody, they're right there as the best tennis player you're gonna play with in that moment. Uh, tennis is a metaphor for acting. <laughs> um, Thank you, Vic. I totally got that, even without yeah, the explanation. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was uh, it was spectacular. It was very rare to have that immediate um, madness, that immediate madness. The idea of kind of a the cult-like subservience addiction that he has to her was was very much uh, an easy thing for me to tap into. Because I have that for Olivia. I have a question. Yeah, David, you have a question. Do you think Tarquin was in love with Janet? Oh, that's too easy, dude. Love is too simple for what you're asking. No, no, no. It was far deeper than that. It was a river, man. A river runs through it. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you Brad Pitt? Uh, obvious. Obvious. <laughs> wow. uh, does that make Olivia Robert Redford? <laughs> yes. She's the older Brad Pitt. Weird. Um, one thing that we, when we did have, when we were lucky enough to have guests on the show, and this is a good transition question as we start to um, probably ask a similar one to the next group. But one thing that we always talked about with the guests, we had Olivia, you know, Peter and, and Jim. Um, we had a bunch of people on over the years. We had Olivia on, huh? Yeah. Hurtful. <laughs> her people are aggressive, my man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, then fine. Then fine. <laughs> Actually, from her interview, I do I you, which you probably will dispel, but I she talked about you all doing research together, and I had this much cutest image of the two of you curled up on the couch, streaming YouTube videos of Steve Jobs and eating popcorn. Does that sound like Tarquin and Janet research curled up sweetly? It was a very different kind of research. Let me have my fanfic. Money. Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, Let's just say we took our characters out for nights out. Ooh. Yeah. Tarquin and Janet after dark. Um, so one thing we've talked about with everyone that we've, we've talked to that's associated with the show is just, we don't know. Listen, none of us have been on TV, movie sets, really, to a large degree. Uh, you know, we're just workaday schlubs. But it felt like something special was going on between the cast and the crew. I mean, I think in the connection between the fans, the stuff on social media, you know, when we talked to folks that they would, they would sort of back that up. What was it about the set, the script, whatever the milieu of, of Lodge 49 that meant, and maybe we were just reading it wrong, but what was it maybe a different set or a different experience for the, for the beyond, you know, on-screen and behind-the-screen talent that was putting the show together? Alex? Yeah. Was it supernatural? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it was, there was no poison on set. Nobody was poisonous. And, like, everybody was super kind and welcoming the whole time. And you don't usually have that there's somebody who's kind of an asshole who's like who's either number one or whatever it was and there was nobody like that except for Eric <laughs> Eric was a monster still is <laughs> can I make eye contact with you yet or is that not yet <laughs> okay um, and so it was just kind of a family immediately off the bat everybody was 
knew it was special. We knew that the show was special from the get-go. The way it was shot, uh, Randall, who was the director for the first episode, got the magic of it the first from the get-go. And everybody I met from from PAs to top of to producers were exceptional people. They were just all kind. I, I do think it really starts at the top, and I think Peter and Jim poured so much of their spirit into this. There was something that Peter said... Um, to me, I sent him a message of being pretty sad and disappointed after the show and maybe made a mention of some garbage that happens in our industry. I don't know. Um, and he was like, listen, like, life can be garbage, but you have to keep punching through to the mystical map. And that's what he, that was the message he left me with. And I think that's what they started with, too. I think this idea of punching through the mystical map and you got a group of people who all agreed to jump in on that sentiment and really wanted to do the work and figure everything out and approach it with that with those sets of eyes you know the alchemical eyes the alchemical eyes yeah. new hit by Kim Carnes <laughs> <laughs> delayed response I'll take it I like it I like it I like it yeah Vic and I first met on season two yeah. in maybe the first episode and we I came out of the elevator at the hotel, and there was Vic. Brooding, pacing, nervous. And we, like, stopped each other. Yeah. And I had become a, a big fan of the show myself, watching the first season, and we talked a little bit about how we both loved the show, and I remember saying that I read, I'd maybe read the first four episodes of this second season, and that I got to the end of each episode, and I would be crying just because I was so... Because you just learned to read. I just learned. And, yeah. then, <laughs> and he was very moved by that. Yes. No, yes. <clears throat> Do you mind if I just finish with Well, you have your own mind, yeah? <laughs> I would cry because I was so happy that I was a part of something so good. And so it's so rare to have writing like this writing and to work with this caliber of a team and it just felt like you know once in a lifetime gig yeah, yeah I, I, I want to make a joke I to concur. kind of uh, well I mean I think you've brought the whole house down no I, I was uh, I, I actually emailed Jim about this Jim Gavin um <laughs> I, I always feel like I'm not in this, I'm in this industry, like, for the wrong reasons. Like, I'm not in this industry for the right reason. I'm not in it to have fun or to have cool experiences or to meet great people. I'm still sort of foolishly, pretentiously, idiotically in it for art. And, but every once in a long, long while, you kind of end up on some small end of a carpet where it is it. And Lodge 49 is it. And it was fun, and it was cool people, and it was a great experience. It was very, very, as David sort of said, it's very rare to kind of run into that kind of, as Britt said, alchemic, alchemicalness, as Alex said earlier. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very rare to, to kind of feel that you're in something that is that artistically beautiful, powerful, deep, moving important in this kind of bombastic climate and have it be with this kind of group of people that that are excellent 
and genuinely good people. Carol, who did the costumes, would always call it lodgy. She would say, oh, we're having a lodgy experience. And that would be something like there were these uh, twins who did, or well, I just ruined it, but there's, there's a guy who played, the chess, who played chess and donuts for the entire first season, and then they called to get him back for season two, and he was like, oh, man, I can't do it, but I got a twin. She was like, that's the lodge. That's so lodge. Right? And then so we, this is the first that. show, we're married. This is the first show we've ever booked together. And it was one of those things where it was like, we both got the audition, we both booked the part, and then we were on the same show, and they had no idea that we were married. And and then I ended up being Judd's love interest for a second. He ended up being Liz's love interest for a second. It's just all these, these lodgy things. Thank you, Carol, for that. Um, would happen and I really do think it was just this mystical melting pot it was wonderful play a little fan fiction here you know as we sort of wrap up and then I, we do want to throw it out for if anyone has any more audience questions before we change over panels if you got them raise your hands in a second and we'll pass the mic but you know because we're not going to probably get a continuation of the story or at least not in the traditional format um do you have a hope, a dream, a desire, something you'd like, you, if, you know, what would be next for your character? Have you thought about, like, you know, you get it down to one or two lines, but, you know, what would happen next for, for each of your characters? Britt, we'll start with you, and then we'll go down the line. Yeah, I, my hope for Beth would be that she's, she really gets to the heart of deconstructing all of the, the things that she has come to believe were important because I think that's at the heart of what she was searching for. I hope she gets to the beginning of her fool's journey and starts over and quits that call center, starts a party planning business. And if Tim's behind it, he can be in the picture. And if not, she's solo. <laughs> um, uh, anything would be cool to know anything about who I was or it would be great. Um, yeah, anything. Anything. <laughs> Um, I just wanted Champ to become a squire at Aww. some point. I have to follow that. Um, what? Yes, Eric. Ugh. Yeah, oh, would have been great. <laughs> I think we're gonna need a hug in the handoff to panels. I would like to hear their music. I think you guys would make beautiful. I think we could pitch a spinoff. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, great. Um, let's see. I, I feel like if I was thinking about that, I would. I would think. I think Mexico bit him hard. He was wearing the Gaia Barra shirts and the satchels. I think. I imagine him going back there and having some mystical experience by the side of the road with a fruit vendor where he just takes off his whole his old life like his great suits and hands it to a passing farmer and just you find him in a year or two years or five years kind of running a chain of fruit stands um, long hair, beard and but then, you know, then Janet will come calling back and he'll, like the junkie that he is he'll, he'll strap it back on and be at her feet Junkie Tarquin. All right. Any other audience questions for this round of the panel? Cheryl, you want to take a stand? Hi. Well, first I want to give a shout out because he's not here to the amazing Jeff Ritzman, uh, who's done all that. And I, hey, Jeff. I have a couple of prints that you all need to sign that's going back to him. So, uh, but I just wanted to, and this is for each of you. What was your favorite moment for your character? 
Uh, my favorite moment was uh, when Beth was in the bar and Dud walked in and they had that scene, which I think they really did meet each other in a, in a place where they, it made sense. It was something could shift, something could change. And I loved shooting that scene. I loved rehearsing that scene. It was this bizarre situation for both of them. But I felt like if there was ever a point where they were able to be something for each other, it was in that moment. Walking up and seeing Liz coming out of the Ludibrium suite and having that interaction was like a meet cute. So it was fun to kind of have, like, hey, what's going on? Oh, this guy's crazy. See you later. And that was it. It was just a nice setup. It was nice. In season one, training Dud as a security guard. That was, that was a career highlight for me, that, that, uh, that week of work. Um, difficult, difficult question. I, there was actually an entire monologue that Tarquin did about being lost in the desert and how we need each other to help each other out that got cut, completely cut. Yeah, 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 I felt that way too. Um, that, that was actually something very, I, I felt very connected to, uh, through Tarquin, so that was my... Something that didn't air was my favorite. <laughs> this is this is why we need the DVDs with extras. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Great. That's right. Make well, who can no one here can make it happen. Um, we'll try, Eric. Yeah, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's give a round of hands for the first half of the panel. Thank you to you guys for making this show. Yeah, thank you. Guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you for the donuts. Awesome. Most of it.